In today's episode, we are going to take on the topic that so many couples come to speak with us about, and that is intimacy. And we have an intimacy expert, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. She's going to give some real practical tools that you and your partner can use to build emotional safety that's going to bridge the gap and help you be more intimately connected with your partner. So stay tuned. Hi, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And we are uh, very lucky. We want to jump right yes. in today because we have uh, just an amazing guest who has an expertise that I know is super useful. It's what people ask about a ton on yes. our show. Uh, I want to introduce Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. She is a relationship and intimacy expert and coach and intimate marriage expert. Hello, Alexandra. How are you today? I'm very well. Glad to be here with both of you and every single one of you listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, we want to we want to jump in. So the but the first thing is we want to orient our audience mm-hmm. to to just just who you are and uh, and sort of how you ended up in the in the realm in which you're working with individuals and couples. So do you mind just to tell us a little bit about yourself, Alexandra? Absolutely. So I've been married. I just celebrated my 27th wedding anniversary a few weeks ago. My husband and I have four children, and we had met the very first week of medical school. He's still a practicing physician, and I was a practicing physician for a while. And in my mid-30s, I made a change. There's a lot to say about that, but probably the most relevant thing is just that I had worked really, really hard to get to where I was. And there's a way in which I felt like everything that I ever did seemed like it was a means to an end. Even going on vacation or planning a special dinner, it was always in order to create a particular experience for my family in my marriage. And certainly all of my educational training was a means to an end. And here I was at the end. And I just didn't really feel completely aligned or connected, even though I loved practicing medicine. So I arranged to take a sabbatical. And during that time, I mean, I still had three children, was running my home and taking care of things, but I gave myself space to just do things because I felt like it. I took a painting class for no reason other than that I wanted to. And I sat by the river for hours. I really, for the first time in my adult life, connected with my own desires. Now, I never would have described it that way at Mm -hmm. the time. I was much more heady about it and less embodied. But through being connected with my desires in this way, I really reinvented my life from the inside out and eventually got to where things were meaningful for me in a whole new way. And I was ready to really turn up the heat in the sensuality and sexuality in my life and in my marriage. My husband and I did not have problems per se, but our sex was more what I would call functional, like it was friendly and functional. (laughs) And it was nothing like what the poets described. And I had learned to bring meaning and honor my desire in other areas of my life and to kind of shed the shackles of compromise. And so I ended up enrolling in a very in-depth training in sensuality and sexuality that was for anyone who wanted to participate. And it doubled as a coach training. And at the time, 
I took my MD seriously. I had no idea what a coach was, you know, other than football coaches. And right. I guess I had images of these overweight, very accented Russian Olympic figure <laughs> skater coaches. You know, those were my associations. Yeah. But anyway, I was curious. I've always been interested in learning and education. So I went to the teaching lab and I felt like I'd come home. And yeah. so it took a little while to clarify what I was going to do with that. But I've really been doing this work ever since. And I started by learning how to heat up my own marriage, have it be really meaningful and erotically alive while being super functional in the world and have been showing couples how to do that ever since. I think that's so important because when we have couples that present for couples counseling, 85% of the couples present with intimacy issues and busy lives and really just a complete disconnection around sensuality and kind of the stories in their head like, oh, we're too busy or we don't even have quality time together. We barely have enough time to get a date. And so I'm just, I love your story of how you kind of created and got empowered with your own sensuality. And now you are helping probably thousands of individuals and couples to connect with that when so many of us do not get that opportunity. We don't think that we have the opportunity actually to do that. Yeah, I love how you frame that. And one of the things that I really enjoy saying is that it's not more time that you need. And I learned that myself as well, because another way of sharing my story is to say that my husband and I, after meeting the first week of medical school, really the first 10 years of our relationship, two years of dating and then getting married, involved being medical students, residents. We had our first two children pretty early on. So we were working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week, babies in diapers, and we really did not have time together. You know, one of us would be on call or post-call having worked all night, and then the other one, it, it was intense. And then once we had our evenings and weekends off, and I thought, okay, well, now we get to really explore and I get to enjoy this wonderful man and feel <laughs> these amazing things because now like... We got the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and things were actually not that different. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh, this is not logistical. <laughs> this is a whole other project. And yeah, it it really is a matter of attention, intention, and taking a breath, being able to involve your body in what your experience is in ways that we can be very functional and not actually do. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we like to do when, you know, I, I had an idea we were going to jump right into you into like, hey, this is about supporting couples in cultivating a more, you know, satisfying, connected, intimate relationship. And and I know from from our work with couples that, you know, one of the first things that's really useful is just normalizing the struggle that they have. And so because you you work with so many people and you've been doing it for a long time, maybe you could just like give us a like, hey, this is kind of the typical, you know, when somebody gets a hold of me, this is what I'm hearing most often. These, these are the struggles that people are presenting at the front end of their journey with me. Okay, I will, but there's a little bit of a twist to that because when people are feeling on the verge of divorce, mm. then people take action. And the fact is that the couples that I work with, 
largely have what I would describe as conflict-free, passion-free relationships. And, you know, the most common relationship advice that is given throughout the Western world is that you need to learn to compromise. If you want a happy marriage, you have to be good at compromising. And that is just completely wrong. If you want a pleasant, bland companionship, compromise will get you there every time. But if you want a juicy, passionate, sensually alive, connected partnership, then uncompromising intimacy is the way to go. And that's the name of my book. Like that's the name of my method. I am all for uncompromising intimacy, but I need to define what I mean by uncompromising. And then I'm going to get back to your question. That dove out at me when I read your bio of of like sort of, you basically said like compromise is not the goal here. And you know, that's so much of what couples come into couples therapies. They're like, Hey, you be the mediator and help us find compromises, you know? And so that perspective, I was like, this is unique. We, we have totally. to have Alexander talk about yeah. this. Right. Well, let me just say what I mean by uncompromising first. So where compromise essentially is that you withhold your desires, what's happening inside you, sometimes even challenges, but at a minimum withholding your desires so that your spouse is comfortable you withhold mm. something that's important to you because if you share it, it would be uncomfortable for your partner to experience. And when I'm talking about being uncompromising, I definitely do not mean that you always get your own way, but more that you learn to bring the whole truth of who you are in a way that your partner can hear. So mm. uncompromising intimacy really is about being right with what you want and who you are, and learning to really express that so your partner knows what you want and who you are as well. Because so many people with like very small things, like which restaurant we go to, or where we put the silverware in the kitchen. I mean, it it really depends, but there's so many small things and then also really big things, like whether or not to have another child, where somebody compromises and I really think of that as a kind of mm-hmm. amputating of, of parts of oneself that you need to leave outside when you walk into your own home, because in your own home, it's too uncomfortable for your partner to experience that. So if you want really juicy, passionate, nourishing intimacy, and I mean all kinds, but certainly also sensual and sexual, in the context of a long-term relationship becoming uncompromising in the sense of self-expressed and whole Mm. is really essential. What a beautiful perspective, not even that, like just shining a new light, because when you have to disconnect parts of yourself and you can't be who you are over time, that builds resentment, numbness, everything that we see in presentation with our couples. Because like you said, you get a lot of couples on the verge of divorce. So do we. The book we're writing is called You Had Me at Goodbye. Like, okay, that's when we're ready. So I just love that idea about bringing your whole truth and not having to cut parts of you off for your other person, because actually throughout that cutting off process is where you really lose yourself and then you start to build resentment in the relationship. So 
Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, that thing that jumps into mind is like just, it's just such an interesting perspective for people to, to wrap their head around because we do so much in our relationship of avoiding conflict. You know, right. we automatically compromise before our partner even asks us to, you know, like, oh, I don't want to like ruffle the feathers around where we're going or what we're doing or, and what you're saying is like, hey, there's a direct line between that and being intimately connected. Can you can you help us like like connect those two Absolutely. things? Absolutely. Yes. So one of my favorite expressions in personal growth is how you do anything is how you do everything. But the reason I'm bringing that in right now is that well, another way to say this is that in the context of long-lasting relationship, everything which is in sex functions as foreplay. So every interaction mm. either brings you a little closer or a lot closer together or a little further apart or a lot further apart. And the fact is that this is really easy to understand how this is, tr what I'm about to say is true for women, but it's also true for men. And I'm speaking in a heteronormative context as I say this, but this really applies to everybody. That if you're compromising, you're holding back parts of yourself you're going numb in the way that Tara said. You're just withholding, shutting down throughout the day with different matters that arise. As human beings, we do not have some switch to flip so that when we get to the bedroom, we can be fully right. present, fully expressed, like all of us engaged in the way that is essential to really drop down and have embodied sex. If we are in the habit of mm -hmm. not sharing this and not sharing mm -hmm. that, and not, yeah. then it, it's not really possible to get the erotic energy flowing throughout all of us in the most crass terms if we don't really open our mouths during the day, it's not really possible to genuinely open our legs when we get to the bedroom. And I'm not, by the way, just talking about how much we speak, but just navigating our relationship with as much of ourselves as we can access. It sounds like honesty is what you're talking about in a lot of ways. I definitely am. I'm talking about honesty. I'm talking about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about self-awareness, taking responsibility for one's own yeah. experience and for one's experience within the relationship. And really, I'm also talking about curiosity. You know, if you think back to the feeling of being in love, mm. we have this insatiable curiosity, right? Like, where yeah. is that scar from? And if you weren't in this profession, what would you do? And have you ever wanted to live abroad? Have you lived abroad? I mean, what was your favorite vegetable in childhood? <laughs> Part of like the experience of being in love is just being so fascinated by this other person. And it is really beautiful as we get to know one another to have familiarity mm -hmm. and stability and sameness. That's beautiful. I would never want to diminish that, but it doesn't need to come at the cost of a genuine curiosity for the other person. Well, and I also think um, when we kind of take our couples through our intimacy piece during our you know relationship renovation journey, a lot of individuals, like all they learned about sex, sensuality was like 
don't do it unless you're married or don't get an STD. And so we, I mean, we start at the very core of like, what did you learn about sex? But so many people don't even understand or maybe have felt that sensuality in their body because of all the shame that Western culture can put on sex, sexuality, sensuality, desire. Because we're taught to not want it unless we're married, and then you should just really love it. It's very confusing. Right. It's I, I love joking about the miracle of the wedding where suddenly, you know, you're supposed to go f- a good girl anyway, doesn't think <laughs> about sex at all. She has no lustful desire. Her attention is not there. She's certainly not touching her own body in any kind of really intimate ways. Then the wedding happens and she's supposed to know, and him too, how to really have a magnificent time, but we (laughs) just don't have little switches. And the reality is, I'm sure this is your experience, whether you express it this way or not, is that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. Mm -hmm. And it really is a problem that there isn't education in this realm unless somebody seeks it out other than don't get pregnant. Don't, I mean, it depends on the religious context, but at a minimum, don't get pregnant, don't get an STI or education is in porn, which certainly is not an expression of uncompromising intimacy by any stretch of the imagination, whatever other functions it has. I love the parallel too, though, that you're building between like, man, if if me and my partner aren't talking on a daily basis about our preferences, about about a myriad of things and navigating competing needs, that's a big thing we talk about is like, we're going to have competing needs with our partner. And if we can't do it about where we're going to dinner, how in the world are we going to do it in this realm that you guys were just talking about in a realm where we're not good at communicating about about our needs sexually. We got zero guidance about it. A lot of times we don't even know other than like, well, I'd like to do it, you know? I want to feel good. Yeah, yeah. I guess, can we jump right in? Like, let's just say a couple reaches out to you. Like, where do you start them at? Okay, yeah. So I just, uh, for one moment, I, w- I want to get back to EJ, your question from some time ago, which oh, yeah. is when do people reach out to me. So yes, there are the people on the verge of divorce who reach out to me, but really the sweet spot, the like where I want to be putting my attention and where couples get so much more benefit than they ever even imagine is when they're in the conflict-free, passion-free relationship. And the thing about being in that situation is you could wait another five years to reach out because that's the whole nature of compromise. And so one of the reasons that I actually do a lot of podcast interviews is I really want to invite people, like if it's how orderly your house is or what your child's grades are, like you don't just put it on the back burner indefinitely. If you're uh, used to making things happen, Mm. you can do that in your marriage, in your relationship too. So when people reach out to me, I would say there's two general categories. One is where people want to learn better communication. Now that could be because they're having a lot of conflict, but it's also just learning how to have more challenging conversations Mm -hmm. because in this case, they've realized that it's holding them back and how much love they can give and receive. If you can't have conversations that go beyond logistics and just really basic things. So that's one category. But the other one, which we'll get into now, is when a couple is just having, it's been 
infrequent and or unsatisfying mm-hmm. sex. Usually when sex is unsatisfying, it becomes infrequent. Sure. So I actually, whether it's been months or years or it's just that he's always initiating and she doesn't really want to. Like there's an infinite number of dynamics in which initiating sex and having sex are just not working for both of them. Mm -hmm. And one of the first couples that I coached, I really learned a lot from them because they loved one another. They were committed to one another. There was no question of separation whatsoever. They'd been married for maybe 21 years Mm -hmm. and they hadn't had sex in eight months. And each of them had a whole story about it. Mm-hmm. She thought it was because she was, she was a super attractive woman. She thought it was because she was aging and he no longer found her attractive. He was just super concerned about not creating enough pleasure for her. And rather than facing his own inadequacy, it was just simpler to not get started in the first place. But neither of them knew that that was going on. The thing that they knew was that once the kids went to bed, they were in different parts of the house until it was time to go to sleep. And they were really just having conversations that they needed to have. So when I met them, I knew that they needed to rebuild rapport in -hmm. order to talk about sex and intimacy. And I needed to build rapport with them in order to have this conversation. So we really began with what I would call cultivating emotional intimacy. Mm And maybe three, four sessions in, I felt like they were more connected and there wasn't going to be some basic barriers to get through to have the conversations we needed to have. And they were kind of proper and I was new. So I was very like, I wasn't direct in the transition. I said, well, now, now let's talk about other kinds of things. And they didn't know what I was talking about. I said, (laughs) well, you know you reached out to me because you had some concerns and then her eyes popped and she knew exactly what I was talking about. And she just smiled and said, Oh, we're all set. (laughs) We're all set. We don't need to talk about that anymore. And what I learned from them and have seen again and again and again, this isn't of course true in the case of one night stands where you can have an amazing sexual experience without even knowing your partner's name, but in the context of long lasting relationship, Mm -hmm. Emotional intimacy is a prerequisite for really satisfying sexual intimacy. So when couples come to me, I'm able to do this, but I never start with positions or even how to touch one another. There's a lot of learning in that, but it's not the starting place. The starting place is really to trust, to get to where it feels safe to be vulnerable Mm -hmm in communication because that's going to make it safe to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. bodies. So what's that, you know, what's the beginning of a pathway, you know, cause some of the couples out here, they love to walk out of, of listening to this and be like, okay, I got one little thing that might be an entry ramp to what this person is talking about. And you, and you say, Hey, it's emotional intimacy is the beginning of the journey for these couples. What Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
What are the first few steps a couple can take in playing around with building that? Okay, I'll give three. One, which I referenced earlier, is to cultivate curiosity and to just open up and let that interest flow in the way that it so readily flows when we really feel in love. And for that, it can be a whimsical question. It can be a profound question. It can be a spiritual question. Whatever you're genuinely interested in, the main thing is that you start asking open-ended questions on topics you haven't inquired about. So it could be something like, what was the best part of the week for you? Or what is the biggest challenge in your life right now? Or if you could be president of any country in the world, which one would you choose and why? If you could have dinner with any celebrity or live or dead, mm -hmm. who would it be and what would you ask them? Like, I'm trying to show that it doesn't matter what the content is. It matters that you want to see more of your partner's yeah. soul. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get there by asking and then listening yeah. generously. No criticism, no problem solving. Just receive what's being given and... Ideally, they ask you as well, but if they don't, just share yourself mm -hmm. because it's in getting to see more of one another that emotional intimacy can grow and flourish. So that's one thing. Another thing is to start sharing what you fell in love with mm -hmm. because very often when a couple isn't having sex or isn't having nourishing sex, they're not really oriented to what they really appreciate yeah. about one another. And maybe, again, if you're a woman in a heteronormative situation, you appreciate that your husband is a good father. But then I invite you to really put attention to appreciating what do you love about him as a man that you respond to as a woman? In other words, yeah. not his function in daily life, yeah. but... What had you fall in love? And then the third thing to really move forward in this way is to share a positive memory about a sexual experience you had together that you enjoyed without making any requests, any mm. indication about what to do differently. Just talking about how that felt and what you enjoyed mm. about it will have you feel good and your spouse. All of these are very significant ways to build more emotional intimacy. And you certainly don't have to do all three. I gave a menu so that someone listening can start with wherever is most comfortable. Yeah. Curiosity, appreciation, and then sharing a really fond memory of a sexual experience. And just hearing you speak, I mean, everything I internalized from that felt very positive and connecting. And it's one of the things we do with our couples in our program is we help build that emotional safety connection first before we kind of go into more of the deeper intimacy things. Because if you don't have that safety, it's going to be really hard to, like you said, have that openness and honesty in the bedroom. Yeah. And I like, I, as you were saying that, like I was feeling myself just kind of smile inwardly and yeah. thinking like, well, one, I know that Tara is, is consistently asked me like, Hey, Let's go outside. We have a little porch area outside where there's nice lighting. We have a glass of wine and we and we have a little book that we open up and, and we've done it for years I've and always, years. Yeah. The book and of if. Yeah. And it's just like 
you know, it's such a simple thing, but it's, it's honestly, it's what kept us connected, even in, in really difficult times. And sometimes those conversations, I, I love the, because not avoiding conflict part and, and compromise that we, sometimes those questions led to really difficult moments out there on the porch. But I think it always kept us connected and continues to do so is just like, the flip side of asking the questions is I know when Tara like asks me a question and then I share something that she didn't know about my past and I can tell she's like really listening and interested, it feels so good. You know, it feels so connecting. They're like, oh, you care. Mm. Oh, you care. I think that's so, okay. So let's just say Alexander that the emotional connection, that safety has been built and now they really want to, you want to help cultivate that sensuality, eroticism. Yes. What are some, uh, this is what people, uh, including me, really want to hear. <laughs> we might be calling you after this, just saying. <laughs> it's going to okay, be okay. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, the first thing is to become more intentional. So one of the things that can be overwhelming and therefore avoided is just all the moving parts that are part of sex. There's smells and looks and feelings mm -hmm. and limbs and mouths and genitals. Like there's just, and so one of the things that can help the two of you, whatever, whoever the two people are, to have an experience together is to be more intentional. So it could just be, for example, taking turns, touching one another. And for some couples, even starting with clothes on, but just having the experience of touching. And one of the things that I often do is have each partner touch the other for the partner's pleasure, which is what we typically do. Mm. And also to touch for your own pleasure. So even, you know, in a session with me, my clients are not naked, so I'll just do it with the forearm, you know, to just touch your partner's forearm in the way in which you're entirely focused on what feels good to you mm. is a pretty enlightening experience because with our minds, we can yes. have our attention on other people and that is important and helpful. But with our bodies, in order to really have orgasmic experiences, we have to get out of our head and really honor what is happening in our own body. And one of the most beautiful things about sex is being able to be really present and attuned to what you're experiencing in your own body and also really connected with what's happening in your partner's body. But by and large, good, caring people focus on what's happening in their mm, partner's yes. body first. Yes. And so I want to invite people in a way that is not self-centered, it's actually very generous and often very challenging to really keep the attention on yourself initially. And so a lot of what I do initially is have both people focus on one person and then both people focus on the other person because it's very confronting, especially for a man who is a good modern man who is devoted, if this is part of their routine, devoted to his woman having an orgasm first, it's very vulnerable mm -hmm. for him to just lie on the bed and receive. I, 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 it's unspeakably vulnerable. Yes. And 
it's also very vulnerable for a woman to just receive. Like I think by and large in our society, we're better at focusing on the other person, but that's not where our pleasure lies. Our pleasure lies in our own bodies. Mm. It's definitely not, as a spectator sport, it's not gratifying. I mean, I suppose there's turn on in watching other people have sex for plenty of people, but I don't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the very first pivots to make. And for some couples, for each individual that happens very easily as soon as I introduce it. And for others, it's actually a complicated transition that involves a lot of unpacking of mm -hmm. beliefs and reestablishing safety with each breath. Well, and probably like restructuring the way they see themselves in intimacy and in sexuality that like what I'm hearing there a lot of times is just like you're the construct that you, you know, of all of your sexual experiences lead up to that, like you sort of take on a role. And I think like what, what you're saying a little bit also is that it takes it out of a results oriented sort of approach of like, I'm doing this in order to get to the place of actual intercourse. And we're actually just focusing on just like connecting in an intimate way and that has its own space. And I, I don't know if that's like, I don't think that's a norm, right? It's not the norm because we're so not results-oriented in certain ways in which it would be good to be more results-oriented. And we are so results-oriented in other ways. And when it comes to sensuality, it is all about the journey. There is no destination without really paying attention to the journey. So in fact, five minutes of just making out, kissing and touching one another will create so much more intimacy for a couple than a kind of routine, mm -hmm. kind of intercourse-based sex where the goal is to climax, right. to, to ejaculate. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of orgasms and ejaculation. I, I definitely am. I wouldn't want this to be misunderstood. But if that's the focus, it's like if you have a gorgeous Michelin star meal or even, I don't know, a Chinese all-you-can-eat buffet. It doesn't even matter what kind right. of food it is. But if your focus is on finishing that meal, you are giving up the sensual mm -hmm. delight the flavors, mm. the having a glass of wine with the meal and conversation, and maybe there's some music and you put your fork down. Like it is not about just being able to use your napkin to wipe your mouth and put your fork down. That is not the aim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what, what's really jumping out to me is, is like, if you can cultivate that space in the sensual realm, like in the, like when you go, you go into your bedroom or wherever it is and you, and you create a space where it's not about getting to a result, then maybe the report that we get a lot is like, Hey, even if my partner walks up to me in the kitchen and touches me in a way that feels at all intimate, I feel automatic pressure that that then is going to means we have to have sex that maybe if you're able to do it in that other realm, that then you could have sensual really connecting moments that mm -hmm. feel good and maybe it would take pressure off of one individual? Absolutely. And one of the things that I also do with couples is create containers. That's kind of a... A container is, is like a, a particular context, a particular 
psychological room you're in. It, it has boundaries. So everyone knows what's happening within that container. And so I create a lot of containers for my couples where like I have a couple and he is learning to be more dominant in the bedroom. And so I was saying to him, why don't you be really dominant, for example, in saying, I'm going to take your clothes off and put you to bed. Because I, I didn't turn on my dom that much because this isn't the context. But the point is that I don't actually have good examples coming to mind right this second, but there's a way to say, you know, every evening you can make out and you're not allowed to have intercourse. Mm -hmm. The intention here is this, because the more clear people are on what the purpose is and the freedom and spaciousness they have from getting to their usual ending, the more incredible things that can happen. Although when I do that with a couple, I'll usually say, okay, you know, for this amount of time, that's all that's permitted. And if afterwards you want to have sex, great. And if afterwards right. you don't want to, great. But it's so important to decouple the centrally enhancing ways of being with one another from an expectation of sex because that restricts how good either experience can be. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about this because you're almost like creating a new baseline of safety because again, we have so, I mean, we've just worked with so many couples, but like when the woman will be so relieved because her period starts, she's like, thank God, uh, I'm so glad it started having to worry about this for like four or five days or you know, the story of like just very task oriented. I think people are so tense in their body when they think about, okay, we're going to be starting the intimacy series now, or we have to talk about sex now or whatever it is that creating these containers of different types of whatever experiences is actually allowing for a new baseline and your tension to be dissipated in a different way. Yes. I really love what you're saying. It's exactly what it is. And with more safety comes more ease, mm -hmm. just basic physiological relaxation, and ultimately creativity and connection. So when you take a couple through this successfully, so let's just say beginning is we don't know what to do. We know we love each other. Conflict-free, passion-free. And when you have finished with a couple, what do you observe? What do you see? I love this question. First of all, each one of them enjoys their life so much more because their relationship with themselves is so enhanced through both self-acceptance, self-awareness, and self-expression. And together, there's so much more ease, really, in all areas. There's just a kind of an ease and a you know how the Inuits have like 11 different words for snow? I really wish that in English we had more words for connection. We don't. But the depth of connection is something, it's just very routine that my couples will tell me, I just didn't know it could feel this connected, feel this close, feel this yeah. good. And it's really all of life. And also the sex that they're having Typically, it's more frequent, but I'm not invested in the frequency right. one way or the other. But when the sex you're having is sex you want to be having, you tend to have it more. But most of all, the sex is more nourishing and they both are enjoying it. And if they have a, an experience which is complicated in the bedroom, as inevitably happens with bodies, 
they can laugh about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't become this barrier where it's awkward between them for a week. So it's more pleasure and it's more internal freedom. They all come hand in hand. As I said, I've been married 27 years and I had, as I started developing this methodology, which is both the result of all kinds of both conventional and unconventional trainings I've done, my work with my clients and also my own marriage. And so if I would notice that my husband and I had like a phase where we weren't Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. sex, like it just, it had been a while I learned that the very first thing I would do is ask myself, is there something I haven't said? And about 80% of the time, the answer is yes, and I would say it, and then that uh, dry <laughs> smell would be hydrated. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, I have to say, I had a funny experience once where it wasn't me, so I asked him, you know, is there anything that you haven't said to me? And so mm. he thought for a moment, and he said, yes, and I, like my heart sank because I'm pretty secure, but I tend towards anxious attachment. And so I was like, oh no, what's coming? And then he proceeded to tell me about something that actually had nothing to do with me or our marriage or our personal life. It was about one of the people that he manages at work. And there's a whole complication with her and it just was filling up his soul. And so he wasn't really available and I didn't need to do anything except listen. And after he expressed it, it's like that sludge was removed. The situation at work was no different, but the sludge inside him and where his attention was had shifted. And then he was just available for connection. Now that was after we had cultivated all kinds of things. This is not just helping with sex. When your sexual relationship with your spouse is really aligned and hot and really working for you, Absolutely every part of life is so much better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what we say to our couples too. I, I love that, how that idea that you got to at the end of just like that freedom mm. that comes when you're sexually connected with your partner, how it links right back to the very beginning of what you talked about, the freedom of talking to one another, of curiosity, of opening up about yourself, that those two things are like totally united. And then- People have this innate, you know, one of the reasons, one of the most frequent sort of presenting things when couples come to therapy is that their sexual relationship is offline. And so they have this innate understanding that if we were able to connect in that way, that like you just said, everything else is going to feel so much easier, so much more connected, so much more supported. You know, we know that we want that, but we really struggle in figuring out how to get there. Yes. And from my perspective, not that couples experience it this way, but from my perspective, I really think that the complications and challenges in the sexual intimacy, while there are many different variables that we've touched on today with trauma and shame and taboo and lack of education Mm -hmm. and all of that is extremely real, it also invariably is a symptom Mm. for a lack of emotional intimacy. Mm -hmm. And it is confronting, but in some ways easier to open up emotional intimacy. So all of this is very synergistic. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I know that couples are going to be interested and we just like scratched the surface with you today. I know they're going to want to learn more. And so, you know, obviously we'll drop all this into our show notes as well, but please just like, can you tell us like, hey, this is a way you can connect with me. This is the resources I'm offering. These are the programs I have, you know, just give our audience a breakdown of how they can connect with you. Okay. Thank you so much. So, alexandrastockwell.com is my website, and that is how you can find everything. I think in this conversation, if this really spoke to you, you're going to love the Aligned and Hot Marriage Program, which really is all about how to cultivate emotional intimacy and sensual intimacy without... I don't really focus that much at all on sex, but people's sex lives are always so much better (laughs) after going through the Aligned and Hot Marriage Program. My book, Uncompromising Intimacy, is on this topic as well. And I have a podcast, The Intimate Marriage Podcast, where I explore these kinds of conversations. So alexandrastockwell.com will take you to all the places. And please reach out. I'm about connection. And if you send a message through my website, I will respond and be glad to connect on whatever you've told me. Wonderful. I just want to say, Tara, I actually have been thinking how much I want to interview a couple after completing Mealine and Hot Marriage. So I would love to do that with the two of you, but I think you need to come on my show for a before also. Let's do it. So listeners, just hear this because I'm making a promise right now that in probably the next three months, because we're going to be on Alexandra's podcast first and be very open and vulnerable as you all know we are. (laughs) You've heard tears. You've heard many of our shared stories of, about why we have our passion to support couples in this way. And so absolutely interview us before and after it is happening. I love that. High five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much for, I mean, again, we probably want to have you on our podcast again, because there's also such a population around women who feel numb in their bodies and hormones and everything, but that's a whole separate episode. So hopefully you'll come back on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, and thank you for the work you do, for the work you've done with yourself in order to give this to many couples in developing freedom and attunement. Thank you. I really appreciate being here and look forward to our next conversation on my show. Yeah, and, and thank you, everybody out there who's been uh, tuning in. We're just blessed to have you as a part of our community. Please, it's it's always helpful if you can share the show. I mean, you know, so many couples struggle with this ability to connect in an intimate way, to deal with conflict and have that like that willingness to dive in and be vulnerable about, about things that are tough to talk about. So please share our show. um, And as always, take care of yourself, take care of each other. You deserve it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.